this evening for the cross, shall we? I'm building. See, God's told me to build. He's told all of us to build. It's much easier to tear down, obviously. But I'm building. How many anybody, how many are there in this house who are building? Who's building? Who wants to build something in your life? See, building's dangerous because sometimes some people say, ah, what you're building, it isn't very much, is it? And as you keep building, there's always people who want to comment on what you're building. Have you heard that? Have you found that in your life? You've set out to do something and some people are going, what are you doing? And as you get more building and more building and more building, gets more dangerous. Because when there was a little church of 12 disciples, you know, they ain't got much to lose. 12 little fishermen doing their thing. But when the Holy Spirit broke in and 3,000 people get saved and they start feeding people and they start changing things and start teaching in the temple and start moving things, then it gets a bit more dangerous. It's a bit more to lose. When George Jeffries came to this city and a few ragtag bobtail people kind of went along to his meetings, nobody took notice. And then thousands of people came. And so much so that there was a church left behind in Graham Street. And some people say, oh, that'll never last. Well, from 1931 to 2018, we are still here. By the grace of God. Because he has built something. And some of you are sitting there, Pastor Mark, please don't put any more on there because that's going to fall off that table. And that is going to be more difficult. But if each one of these blocks represented a hundred lost souls, who's going to tell me to stop? Who's going to say to me, Pastor Mark, stop building because we've got enough? How many, who will stand up right now and say, Pastor Mark, don't, it's dangerous. How, what if it all falls and the whole thing collapses? But you see, here is somebody named Ashley who was a gangster. Should I stop building because Ashley might tip the whole thing down? Let's throw Ashley away. Who wants to throw Ashley away? For those of you who don't know, Ashley was a young man who came to our church broken. And the reason that he came to this church is because he fancied one of our girls. 
Are you here because of that? Because if you're here because of that, God's going to get a hold of your life, save your soul, turn your life around and put you on a mission. So shall we, just, shall we just throw this away because, you know, it's too dangerous. Who wants me to carry on building or shall I stop now? And should, because it's comfortable for everybody in the house now, this is comfortable. Shall we stop? I mean, are you telling me to carry on? Come on, tell me honestly and with some passion. Otherwise, we might as well just say, well, they kind of want to build or they kind of don't want to build. So should I carry on or not? Okay, let's build. And by the way, that person who got hurt and nearly got thrown away, we went out and we rescued them and brought them back. And we are going to build with them. And we're going to say to them, you can be just as much a part as any time. Wouldn't it be great that everybody who we've built with over the years just kind of came back as well? That would be awesome. And so it gets kind of more risky, doesn't it, as you get higher. And you need lots more care. Because when you build, you have to be careful. Because if you build in a reckless way, and if you build in a way in which you don't really care, then, of course, it gets even more dangerous. But you know what? This is where the illustration breaks down. Because there's a capstone and foundation that cannot be moved. There's a Jesus that says, in Matthew 16, he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Now, because I'm clumsy, and I don't want to wreck my illustration, Pastor Nick, can you just break that in half and lower it onto the ground uh, with me? And everybody, if you'll turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said this, I will tell you. I love it when Jesus says, let me tell you something. Now, those of you who know me know it's dangerous for me to have a prop in my hand. But, and it probably, probably won't fly out at you, but let me tell you that we have a capstone. We have someone whom the holds the whole building together. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Jesus is building his church. Now, I want to just say to you honestly, without any warm-up, are you a builder here or are you just an attender and a sampler? Do you come to get blessed now and again or will you say, no, I'm going to help build this? Because that's what this church needs. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 and 10 is a word to BCC. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace that God has given me, I've laid a foundation as a wise builder. And as someone else is building on it, but each one, each one should build with care. In Birmingham, there are many, many ministries and there are many ministries that run parallel to a church. And, 
And there are many people who, if you've got a talent, who say, oh, come to my church for a bit, come to my church for a bit, come to my church for a bit. I want to tell you that that's not building. Now, it's not that you have to come here 52 weeks a year and 52 Sunday nights and be at every small group. If you have a ministry and you have a talent that other people can use, of course there will be appropriate ways and times of how to share it. But your gifts and talents were always meant to build the local church. So don't sample here and then go somewhere else to do a bit and there somewhere else to do a bit and there a bit to do a bit here, there and everywhere. You have to dig in and say, I'm building, Pastor Mark. I'm building with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You see, there's often a sense that we can fall into the trap that we feel like we're the exception to the rule. You know, when somebody makes an obvious mistake, someone, have you ever said this? Have you said, oh, didn't they? What did they expect? They knew that would happen. You know, have you seen sometimes those strange, uh, I don't know, you've been framed things and you see somebody cutting a tree and they're uh, cutting the tree and they are sitting on the limb and then they are surprised when they fall to the ground and you think, what did you expect would happen? On a more tragic note, I sat with my brother after my mother had died, and he said, wow, I didn't, and what, isn't this sad? And after smoking for 40 years, and my mother dying of uh, bronchiocarcinoma, uh, lung cancer, I almost wanted to say to him, what did you expect would happen? You see, we sometimes have this view in our lives that we are the exception to every rule. In Scripture, it lays out for us that not everything's going to go without some difficulties. There are going to be some wobbles along the way. In fact, uh, the book that Kathy's bringing to the attention of the Every Woman Ministry is a book by uh, Kay Warren that's called Joy. And we often see... Uh, our difficulties in seasons, and that is true. But Kay Warren also has the insight, and it's a good insight, that often joy and trial run as, as train tracks, as parallel to each other, and they go on at the same time. Has that been anybody's experience here? That some of the greatest things that happen can also be found with, with some of the most difficult things that happen. You see, whether you see that you're often going to have some joys and some difficulties side by side. What we have been tasked to do is to build the church alongside the Lord as and build the kingdom of God alongside him as a co-worker. Now that's a tremendous thing that God would say, you get to join in with what I'm doing. You're here to build the church. It's a great joy when you see a transformed life. And you don't throw it away that you say you're in absolute pain right now. But with love and with prayer and with commitment, you can be a part of what we are building. It's a tremendous joy to do that. You must never forget that we are here to build the church. And to be a builder, God has called you to be someone who builds. And of course, 
not as only the church, you're supposed to build a good family. In fact, that may be the cornerstone of the church. You're here to build a good career. You're here to build good personal health. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about heart, uh, body, and soul, because we want you to build something good personally. You were here to build a good marriage. You know, we, we, Kathy and I have been shocked at how many people are so surprised we've been together for so long. And I think that's more of a reflection on me than on Kathy and, and more on her sainthood and godliness. But you know what we've picked up? People are looking at marriages today and they're looking at how your marriage works and they're looking to say, could I have that? They're looking at you. You're a letter read and known by all men. You're Christ's letter. They're looking at you. We've been surprised about that. You are a builder, but as well as the joys of building, and there are joys, aren't there? Have you ever done some DIY step back and gone, ooh, I did that. Or is that a bad subject? Should I move on from that? Because I'm exposing some pain right now. In my life, it's been a joy and a pain. But I have some DIY projects that I think, yes, come on, Mark. You're the man God's created you to be right now. I put a washing line on the back of our house that folds up, clips all together, stepped back and went, come on. I wore my tool belt for three days and in bed as well, thinking, it's just great. There have been some other things that perhaps Kathy will mention that haven't quite worked out. But if you build... There will be opposition. There will be a sense sometimes in church where people make fun of us, where they don't appreciate what we're doing. And Jesus said he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And he did say, if, if the master's like that, then why would you think that it would be any different for you? So there will be opposition. Sometimes at work, have you ever, I don't know whether this ever happened to you, it's happened to me a couple of times when I used to be working in Lynn Products, a hi-fi company, I, I built, can you imagine this, I built hi-fi speakers, woo, they were great, uh, but anyway, I walked, I'd walk into the canteen sometimes and everybody stopped talking because it was a kind of conversation that they knew I wouldn't like and I was actually trying to be the coolest Christian, but just my presence sometimes was a hindrance to them. In fact, when, they, when I left, they gave me a Bible, and inside it says, to see a Christian in action is breathtaking. And what I want to say to you is, when you're trying to build something, you won't always be the most popular person at work. And so if your goal is popularity, you're going to struggle. And you need to understand and discern that you will have opposition. Pastor Stephen Furtick said it this way. He said that Christians often get the categories mixed up. They often say to themselves, God's here to comfort me. And of course he is. And, and the devil's the conflict. But he said sometimes it's reversed. The devil comforts you so that you won't do anything. So that you won't build 
And God brings you into conflict so that you will move on and build something with him. I wonder if you are one of those Christians that always is looking for comfort and that sometimes you need to walk towards the conflict and say, you know what, Lord, we're building this. Did you know that yesterday a national ministry, and that's what these banners are at the side, a national prayer ministry, in fact, probably the most famous national prayer ministry in Britain, they were all here worshipping and praying and interceding for our nation. And, I, and it got me to thinking, I stood at the back of the hall and thought, thank you, God, that we can do this. Although, can I say, in our events, we need help, guys. We're stretched sometimes. But I stood at the back of the hall and said, thank you, God. And then a story came to my mind from Elsie Brinstone. Elsie Brinstone is now 97 ish. She's one of our members here. She was unable to come on Sundays. Her hands are numb right now. I I like to think of Elsie's hands that she's put them together in prayer so much. That's why they're numb. But Elsie told me that Benson Idahosa, a pastor came here when, as they were getting this building, and asked all the members to give a thousand pounds towards it. And they struggled, and it was radical. And it was in those days, uh, Jan and Ed Stokes told me that in those days their house had cost two and a half thousand pounds. So he asked them the half the value of their house to build this building and to complete it. And so I just want to say. It's on sacrifice such as that. And I'm not asking you to do that. Uh, Unless, of course, you feel led and your house is worth three million pounds. If that's what you feel, that's what you feel. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to faithfully build. Don't just sample. Build. Because this house, this spiritual house... Not just the physical house has been built on such sacrifice. In my mind, I pray. And I don't want this to be pressure to you, but I do want this to be motivation for you. I pray in my mind, and I can see a church in the nine o'clock service completely as full as the second service, even more so. Because people can't wait to get out early to come to the praise of God. I see balconies full. I see it. And I see that God could build something really amazing. Are you a builder? Or are you, when the opposition comes, are you going to say, well, that's just not for me? Everybody turn to the book of Nehemiah. I'm just going to continue this message next week. But I just want to set up the fact that you are going to build some wonderful things. But there will be people and things and forces that will want to oppose you. When you step out in bravery, something will oppose you. Nehemiah 4 verses 1 through 3 says this. When Sambalat heard that we were building the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. 
he, re, he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates uh, and the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the war? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from these heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite was who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even if a fox climbs up on it, it will break down these walls of stones. The nature of opposition has several characteristics. I'm going to share just a few of them for you today. The first one is opposition always stems from and will involve unhealthy emotions. And notice what uh, Sambalat said. He became angry and was greatly incensed. He's not calm. He's not rational. The opposition often comes from a sense of, I have let some bitterness come into my heart. I've let something to get root down there. And, it, and it's from an unhealed place. And there are two insights about that. If you receive opposition at work, you're trying to do something at work. You're trying to do something in church. You're trying to do something in your ministry. You're trying to do something in your family. And, and someone just comes up against you. Instead of reacting to the emotion of it, stick to what you're trying to build. And I just sense that some of you are really trying at work. And there's a sambalat at work. There's somebody at work there's somebody in your life who is saying, oh, I just can't get on with that person. I just can't uh, go with what that person's doing. Don't react to the emotion. Stick to what you are building. And if you are opposing something, make sure that you're not opposing it from an unhealed heart or an emotion that is unhealthy. Opposition often flows out from emotions that aren't peaceful or right. So make sure that when you stand with or against something, it's from a heart that's absolutely clear. Because who knows how God wants you to build. Opposition, secondly, will always ridicule or eat into the question of your ability. What are these feeble Jews doing? Did you notice how they were categorized as feeble? Did you notice that, that they were categorized as, what are they doing? And it's ridiculed. We have to stay strong in our mindset and serve from the strength that God supplies. Listen, my feebleness and my ability is not the issue when you're trying to build something. Well, the issue is his grace, his strength, that's the reality. Do you not agree, church? So when you're trying to build your marriage, when you're trying to win your non-Christian husband, your ability of being a, a good witness is not the issue. The issue is his grace is sufficient for me. So stay faithful and God will use you. This is what the Bible says, that we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have great patience and endurance. 
thirdly, opposition will always disparage your and devalue your intended dream and your intended goal. They will always say something like, will they restore the wall? What a stupid thing that is. Who would want to do that? Why don't we have an open plan city? Why would you do that dream? Opposition will always say, will you... Can you actually do that? Is that, a good, is that a good goal? And it will be the same in your family. What do you really think your children should, should be praying all the time? Why don't you turn them out to be a lawyer? Nigel Tween once said this to me. He said, I'm really worried. Nigel Tween was a pastor of this church. And many of you were under his pastorship. Give me a wave if you're Nigelites. Uh, not Nigelites, but you were here at that time. You know. Nigel Tween said to me, Some people come to me, and he says, I've seen a worrying trend. He says, lots of Christians now are saying to me, oh, my son's going to be a lawyer. My son's going to be this. My son's going to be, and they're all choosing high-stakes professions. And he said, I haven't had a parent in the last year saying, my son's on fire for God. He said, it's not, it's, it's okay to be a lawyer so long as you're a saved one. Jesus said it a different way. What is it if we get the whole world and yet we lose our soul? Now, there shouldn't be a dichotomy of that. I believe Christians can make the best lawyers, don't you? Oh, that didn't seem that good. I believe Christians make the best lawyers. Amen? I think we can be the best doctors. I think we could be the prime minister. I think that we have a prime minister that has some sort of Christian faith. I think we should have the highest professions. In fact, I think Christians make the best footballers. I do. Let me prove it to you. The Nigerian footballer who's just been racially abused by, and has got the England manager is sacked. One of my friends, Maldwin Jones, was her pastor for several years. And, and she was one of the best England women footballers that we had playing 110 uh, times for England and yet was opposed and mainly around her Christian faith. You see, we can have the best people but you will have opposition. Opposition always disparages your dream. There'll be people who say about the things that I think about, BCC, oh, just run a good church, don't have any dreams for it, keep it all the same, and I have to say, shall we throw an Ashley away, or are we going to keep building? That's what I say. We need to build. We need to move on. Opposite, Paul said this when King Agrippa said, do you think you can convert me? He said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. We're going to close in a few minutes. And Isaac, just come in a, uh, for a moment. But the last thing that opposition will do is this. I... Opposition always devalues your faith and analyzes your regular devotions. What Sam Ballot said was this Will they start sacrificing? If we let them build a wall, then they're going to start being their religious selves again. They're going to bring God's presence back. They're going to, they're going to start doing that Christian thing. If we let you do this, then you're going to start worshipping. And you know, in my family, 
when I was growing up, they say, oh, you go to your little church and you sing your little songs, and they always try and devalue what praise is. But I want to tell you something. Praise is building this church. Praise is building your life. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet, because I'm going to ask you to praise in a few moments. But this is what the psalmist said. I will praise you, Lord, amongst the nations. Hey, how many nations do we have this morning? I want to praise you amongst the nations. Is there a praise in BCC House this morning? I will praise you amongst the nations. I will sing amongst your peoples. For great is your love that is higher than the heavens and faithfulness that reaches the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory be over all the earth. For God has spoken from his sanctuary. Somebody give the Lord a praise clap offering, please. Because I want to say to you, there are going to be some people in your life who are going to say, oh, you're not going to that church again to do your little prayers and your little songs and your little uh, bit of uh, praising and so on. And they're going to try and devalue what we do here. But I want to say to you that what we do here is vital for your life. It's building your life. It's building your heart. It's changing you and it's transforming you. So don't let anybody devalue the coming together and the praise of the saints. And so for the next two minutes, why don't we have a praise blast and say, in Birmingham, there's a praising, glorifying God people who are building society and pulling it back from the brink of all the division that it's in. Right now, Spain divided, Scotland and England divided, Wales divided, uh, Ukraine, Russia divided. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to divide the church because that's his strategy, pull people apart. But we say, we gather around the throne room, we praise God and we rebuke the opposition and we praise him and we come together. So why don't you find somebody who you don't normally stand with why don't you just move across the aisles and together for a few moments, why don't we just praise God together and say, we rebuke you, Satan. You have no part or place in this place because we are a together praising people. Come on, scooch across the aisles. That person across the aisle, they are what you are building with. They are the building block. And so, guys, can you just lead us in a praise why don't we just, just lift the Lord up just for a few moments. Come on, give voice to your praise. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And why don't we just praise the Lord together? Jesus God, we just want to praise you. We want to praise you. We praise you together. Lord, we just praise you together.
praise him together don't let the enemy steal your praise opposition listen don't let anybody steal your praise so just while the band pray can I hear a praise offering a clap offering from this house Lord we worship you we praise you Lord we're not gonna let anybody steal our praise because this house is built on praise Lord it's built on worship come on one more time let's give him a praise Lord, we worship Jesus
if you have opposition at work where you just feel like, well, I just want to pray that through or a difficult situation in your family, if you have a non-Christian in your family that you really want them to come to faith, why don't you just come and we just want to stand with you and pray for them with you. Well, let's just uh, lead a seat where you're standing and just come and we just want to stand with you in the things that you think, well, I just want that to be sorted. I'll let George uh, lead us in that song one more time. And as we do that, just make your way to the front. Just leave the seat where you're standing. That would be just great if you could say, yeah, I just want that to be gone out of my life. Or at least I want the strength.